friend in the corner there, Kevy? No. Yes, Kevy Mental. Hey, babies. How are you? How was your How was your holiday? How was it? What did you do? Did you work anyway? That's not what a holiday is. I should know, because I worked anyway. My name is Kevy. You were listening to Barely About Music. This is a good episode. This is an interesting one. A new friend of mine, he's a, a drummer from a legendary New York rockabilly band called the Stray Cats. They're legends. Um, his name's Slim Jim Phantom. He has two shows on... Uh, well, he has one main show on Sirius XM... And then he's, he's been hosting other things for them as well, because there's like a new studio in LA, and he's, he's in there all the time. He's very charismatic, and um, my girlfriend Gretchen is a photographer, and she was doing a photo shoot with his lovely lady, Jenny V, from the band Eagles of Death Metal. And so just he and I were just sitting there hanging out, and uh, I noticed he had a LA Lakers badge on one of his jean jackets and i was like oh you like the lakers and he and i noticed he was he was on his phone looking at fancy baseball app now he's he is uh he's a thin man uh with a beautiful head of hair and he's very rock and roll looking and usually guys that look like that aren't into sports and so that's kind of what we discussed i was like i I like basketball and he was like really and then so we start talking and he's and then he was like the uh, the Yankees game is on downstairs. Do you want to go watch it? I was like, yeah. And so we went down and we hung out all day watching uh, baseball. And I don't really talk about sports on here either. And I like them. So that was kind of what we, we got into and what we talked about. It's barely about music, right? We're musicians, yet uh, we like sports. And so we decided to put together a little a little thing that I can't really talk about yet. But I it, it was kind of like a, de- a demo for something where he and I talk sports. And so... This is the, this is the cut-up version of that, uh, and we're waiting to see what happens with with it. So, I tried to I tried to edit it in a way that made it like a barely about music kind of episode, where it's just a good listen, where it's two two guy two musicians talking about sports and sports history and stuff. So this I'm just warning you right now, this is a very sports heavy episode. So if you're not into that, you probably won't be interested in our views on LeBron James. Okay, enjoy my interview with Mr. Slim Jim Phantom. Tell the story about when uh, Jimmy Fallon came into your club wearing oh. a, a rival sports jacket. Here's the big um, New York-Boston rival, which is all good-natured at this point in our lives. But mm-hmm. the rivalry and is taken so seriously, and, and here's how that one goes. Uh, I had a nightclub, a bar, for many, many years on Sunset Boulevard, the uh, Cat Club, and Jimmy Fallon used to come in, play with the band, I knew him. He was a good guy. Still is a good guy. And a big sports guy, but a Boston guy. Mm. And he came in one night to sing with the band, and he had on a Red Sox jacket, Uh-oh. a warm-up jacket. How dare he? And and I said, hey, Jimmy, come on in. Of course, you're welcome. Always want a drink. You're standing around the bar with him, waiting for his song to come up. And I said, wait a minute, man. 
he got a Red Sox jacket on. He's like, yeah. I said, well, we're buddies and everything, but I'm a big Yankees guy, as you know, and it's okay if you you know want to come in and hang out, sing with the band. You bring all your friends in. You'll never have a tab here. You'll never put your hand in your pocket. But I got to ask you to take off the Red Sox jacket. I love it. I'll have someone take it out to your car for you if you <laughs> want. But just don't wear the jacket in my club. Please, it's my one thing. And he looked at me all sad. Oh, Slim, really? You want me to take my jacket off? And I wish I could have held it for another five seconds, but I <laughs> kind of cracked, nice. and we had a really good laugh about it, a good nature moment. But the rivalry is so real uh-huh. that he knows me. Yeah. That we were pals. But that could have been a possibility. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Slim Jim's really asking me to take my jacket off because the rivalry is so real yep. that it's a possibility. Oh, man. Right? I love so, that. So that was a good moment and just goes to show that we do grow and learn. I really didn't care if you wore the jacket, <laughs> but fun, though. there was that possibility that I really did care. I know a, a music producer who, it's not a joke, his name's Garth Richardson, he produced Rage Against the Machine and Red Out Chili Peppers, and he's in Vancouver, but he's from Toronto, and he's a Maple Leafs guy. Okay. And if you're a Canucks fan, you are not allowed to park in the studio parking lot. You have to park <laughs> down the street. How would he know? Bumper sticker? He or? Just reputation. <laughs> Word gets around what kind of teams people like, especially in Vancouver. <laughs> I just thought of another cool, um, unlikely music fan that's an athlete. Right. It's Dennis Rodman, big Pearl Jam fan, and he drummed for Pearl Jam at a show once. He did play the drums. That's right. Wow. He got behind the kit. I don't know how well he did. <laughs> I'm assuming it was one of their easier songs. Uh, I'm assuming he had a hard time because with his long legs with the kick drum, I'm assuming he's a little bit taller than their drummer. But Might have to move the stool around a little bit. Exactly, exactly probably grinded the show to a bit of a halt but he was still there and he loves uh rascal flats also jim do you know what pearl jam's original name was tell me mookie blaylock named after the atlanta hawks point guard and mookie blaylock was not a pearl jam fan so they couldn't do that they had to name their band pearl jam but their first album was called 10 which was mookie blaylock's number and now Eddie was uh, also famously when I uh, we used to hang quite a bit, and he was in our fantasy football league, and he was also a Chicago Cubs fan. Really, and he used to go hang out with uh, Harry Carey in the box. Wow! And sing. I think he sang the national anthem from the box a few times. Did he sing it better than Roseanne Barr when she did it? <laughs> yes, I think he did it in tune and with love. <laughs> but yeah, he, uh, he was a Seattle basketball fan, yeah. I believe, but a Chicago Cubs baseball fan. And that's another thing out there. It's safe to like different teams. Yeah. You know, you know, be a knucklehead. I, I grew up in a city that where our I'm a basketball fan from Vancouver, Canada. The Grizzlies they were um, they left pretty quick. My next closest team was the Sonics. They left, so I'm not really a team guy. Whereas you're a team guy. You're a Yankees guy, right? I'm a New York Yankees diehard fan mm-hmm. since I was a kid. Even though I grew up technically closer to the New York Mets, but being a nerd playing Stratomatic as a kid, which predates fantasy baseball. Um, I was attracted to the stats and the legendary history of the New York Yankees of Ruth, Gehrig, DiMaggio, Mickey Mantle, and then when I was a kid, Bobby Mercer, and then later on, uh, Derek Jeter, of course. But um, I was attracted to the history. So I was technically a traitor to the New York Mets people who I was closer to. Okay. And then I'm I'm an Oakland Raiders fan, Okay. which is because, as kids, the Jets and the Giants game were, uh, were never sold out, so they were blacked out on television. Oh. And the four o'clock game on NBC, the AFL game, was nine out of ten weeks, was the Oakland Raiders. Wow. And they wore black uniforms and were uh, dirty players and had long hair. I love so that. So I was... <laughs> 
naturally attracted to them as a kid and you tend to be into the teams that you were into when you were a kid that does seem to be one thing that carries on throughout your life it's like music that way the music that you discovered when you were 13 you probably still love it for some people maybe it's a guilty pleasure but for other people it's just a way of life <laughs> but i also think you like the raiders because of al davis's outfits there's some good glasses <laughs> al davis he was like captain hook he was the leader of the pirate ship <laughs> i loved ken stabler uh he was left-handed like me and he had long hair and he didn't really seem to care he seemed to want to get the game over with so he could go to the party afterwards okay so. i can respect that now, being uh, not only were you a rock and roller, but you should have been a Mets fan, but you're a, a Yankees fan. So you're just dealing with all kinds of uh, uh, <laughs> competitive nature from the scenes that you came from. Like, what's it, what was it like being a sports fan in a rockabilly scene? Well, I was always into sports um, and, and rock and roll. Uh, as a kid, I... I practiced my drums, but I also followed baseball. And even in the later times when the Stray Cats um, had a success and we were mainly living in Europe for a few years, this would have been 80, 81, 82, uh, I somehow followed baseball. Okay. Used to be in the USA Today, yeah. the first interna uh, international newspaper, which we used to call the USA Two Days Ago, because <laughs> you'd get it in an airport in Frankfurt from three to... <laughs> and I always followed baseball. Yeah. Not as... As closely as you can now, mm -hmm. but um, we always, me personally, always manage to follow baseball. And um, it's a very important thing to me. Uh, if I read a box score every day, it yeah. kind of makes the world seem a little bit normal. Okay. That's the one consistency that you can count on. That's kind of a good way of looking at it. Sports being a consistency, um, reading the sports page kind of makes you feel maybe closer to home in a funny way For or sure. somehow plugged into a uh, to a less stressful time in your life For uh, sure. but um but it's a thing that I truly love and growing up in New York as a uh, technically closer to the Mets I did get to uh, you know the best of both worlds because we would go to Shea Stadium that was pretty close on school trips or little league outings yeah. and that kind of stuff that you go to the game a few times a year and I had an uncle mm -hmm. who um uh, his daughters he had three daughters my cousins he had no boys and he loved the yankees so he would take me into yankee stadium Ooh. would take the trip up to the bronx um so would get uh i would get the best of those both worlds and we um we had the new york islanders yeah that became a franchise a little bit when i was uh maybe in my teens and that was Nassau Coliseum. My father's a fireman, and they used to give the firemen oh, wow. tickets because they were trying to seed the place at that yeah. point. So, um, so we would go to the Islander games a few times a year, and I was a New York Rangers fan, mm -hmm. and my grandfather, my papa, used to take us in to see the Rangers, Madison Square Garden, wow. uh, a few times a year. So New York was a very cool place for that. You could kind of be a fan of both, both franchises in the same league. Right. Okay, and then there was the rivalry with Boston, and that that pre that probably was a thing even back then. Oh, the hated Red Sox. Yeah. So Sorry were you guys. were you partying when Bill Buckner missed that? Oh, that would have been in '86. That's when I was a Mets fan that year. Yeah, of course. <laughs> hey, no shame in that. I'm back on the Clippers bandwagon. I understand that. Bucky Dent was our big moment. Yeah, um, just watching that set and. And at that point, going to these other ballparks seemed like a fantasy. Yeah. Like going to Fenway Park, you might as well have said going to um, Tokyo or <laughs> Antarctica. It seemed very far, all these places. They were mythical places to me. Okay. And that's another thing that we're going to cover on the show is legendary, famous arenas, 
ballparks and just uh, on the road it's something that you check down have you gone to all these places and like every time you're in a exactly. town you try to possibly if you go can. to a game of any sport in yeah. a famous arena I mean that's something that you and I touched on as soon as we met is being on the road there's a lot of downtime between soundcheck and the show so my band watches sports right even if it's a sport we don't know that much about I love watching sports I love being in, a, in an environment where it's a bunch of people who are into something it's dramatic it's the best possible drama that you can experience because it's so real it's not scripted yeah and i think now there seems to be a uh, better opportunity to um to go to these places i with the stray cats brian setzer who's also a big baseball fan and myself we would go before the gigs if there was a day game mm -hmm. we've been to wrigley field oh man uh bush stadium which is fantastic in st louis uh, places that have day games that yeah. happen to coincide with a gig that night or maybe have a day off um then you can go to the stadium and we try to check them off the list and and at this point everyone's so nice they kind of let us in st louis i don't think we had a ticket they just brought us in uh walked us down to the front we usually go and scalp a ticket or, okay. or buy one at the box office and just work um work our way down and we've done that at wrigley fenway uh, um the cardinals so i liked it and and at night i think you can do that in these towns if you have a night off like a lot of times you'll be playing and the next night yeah uh you know the knicks are playing portland yeah yeah so um I think you know the same people at this point. It's a little bit easier to do that now. Yeah, yeah. What a luxury you're into a sport that has day games and back-to-back -back oh, games. Fantastic. <laughs> Fanta uh, fantastic. I think we did it in Portland with another um, guy, Danger Aaron, okay. Portland Trailblazers. There we go. He'll do anything for the Portland Trailblazers. From Jackass. Right? From Danger Aaron from Jackass. Yeah, he's one of our buddies who fits the exact uh, model that we're talking about. A right. Guy you wouldn't expect we see Danger Aaron mm -hmm. having his tooth extracted by a NASCAR <laughs> on the Indianapolis track. You wouldn't think that. What do you? What can you tell me about this guy? He's a huge sports fan. Lives and dies for the Portland Trailblazers. Yeah. So that's another guy. Perfect example. And that leads to another topic we're going to talk about: doomed franchises. And I think you seem to think, Kevy, yeah, that Portland Trailblazers may be doomed. I feel bad for them. I think there's a curse on that team. I mean, you know, when it comes to draft picks, any NBA fan will bring up Sam Bowie being drafted ahead of Michael Jordan. You know, he was he was a great college player. He gets brought in there, breaks his foot. Okay, so now he's out for the first season. Hakeem Olajuwon, Jordan, they tear it up. Charles Barkley, that was the 1984 draft. Everyone loves that draft. All ahead of Portland. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then so Portland takes Sam Bowie, breaks his foot, he's out, comes back, preseason practice, breaks his foot again. You know, there's so many examples of that. Players, Drazen Petrovic, he was on the team, car accident, you know. Um, who else was there? There was, uh, oh, Arvidas Sabonis, a great oh, yeah. overseas player, yeah. a star over there, comes over here, injured. It, I don't know what it is. It just seems, and it, it's a, it's been such a great franchise for so long. As soon as Clyde Drexler leaves, wins a championship with Houston. <laughs> I feel bad for them. And I'm from Vancouver, the most <laughs> cursed hockey team of all time. So I think you saw them, uh, I think your Rangers maybe uh, humiliated them in the early 90s. <laughs> the last time the Rangers, who were the cursed franchise, yeah. I think they'd have, they might have predated Boston okay. of the last time they won a championship from an original team. <laughs> okay. So when the Rangers, this would have been in 90... 94, I think, was 94. the Canucks versus Rangers finals. Yeah, and everyone in New York was really energized by um, by that one and super into it. And um, I, I was on a tour with Jamie James, 
from Toronto, Canada. There Jimmy go. The King Bees, big fan of the uh, Maple Leafs. He could tell you all the players from the 50s through the 70s, wow. position by position. We we were on tour, so watching the Rangers, who were one of the original six teams, yep. and we were on tour with um, RIP, our other pal, Harry Dean Stanton, wow. who was not a big sports fan, but mm-hmm. in one of our other topics, you get caught up in the moment. Absolutely. And we were on a tour, Harry Dean, uh, Jamie James, myself, Jeff Baxter, who is a Boston Bruins fan. Mm-hmm. So, uh, But we watched every game. Somehow yeah. found the time in the hotels, and Harry was into it. After the first game, was like, I can't believe you guys are wasting time <laughs> watching this. We got to go. And Come on, Harry, just sit down and watch the first He, by the end of it, yep. the last gigs were, were like a little bit late because I think one of the games went to overtime, and it was a heavy thing. Yeah. And so the Rangers beat their curse yeah. that year and swept up a lot of people in it. And that's okay. another good thing that we're going to talk about is – in the moment, mm-hmm. you don't have to be die hard like me and watch every inning of every Yankees game, no matter where you are, four o'clock in the morning in Europe and watch MLB.com. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be that crazy. You get caught up in the moment. Yep. Jenny V, love of my life, she just got very caught up in baseball season. Really? Because the Yankees were like so close this year and then, and she uh, had time invested of it being in the background the last year, baseball season. Wow. She got caught up in it and then wanted to watch the game. What a blind Find out who won the World Series and she's not going to care until maybe next World <laughs> Series. But it is very possible. Certain finals and certain seasons yep. get get um swept up yeah. have you ever seen the film major league yeah of course one Charlie of my Sheen. favorite baseball movies yes. i love sports there's movies. a great scene in that mm-hmm. where uh the indians are, are on the road and i think they cut to a bar supposedly in cleveland and yeah. all the hard hats are watching the game right next to the punk rockers oh i well, love all it signed up because they like charlie sheen he's got an earring and a mod haircut so <laughs> Good and then for all them. the construction blue collar guys and that's what our show is kind of showing everybody that that's one thing that we have in common we can be punk rockers or we can be hard hats it's yeah. all the same the lines are really blurred these days yeah. i think there never was because i always did it mm-hmm. between True sports fans and punk rockers. Absolutely. We're all the same, you guys. I love that analogy. We love rock and roll and we love sports. Absolutely. What are some other um, you know, musicians or figures you wouldn't think would be sports fanatics that are Al Jorgensen from Ministry, huge Chicago fan. There you go. He has, uh, he has like lifetime season tickets right behind the penalty box of whoever the Chicago Blackhawks are playing oh. so he can heckle whoever gets a penalty. <laughs> I love that. So is he a fan of Bobby Hull and Stan Makita? I'm sure he could go back and name all the players. All of them. And then Billy Corgan, another Chicago guy of Smashing Pumpkins. He's a big uh, Hoops fan. He's a big Bulls fan. Okay. Good friends with Dennis Rodman. They have some party stories, oh, I'm I sure. I love that one. I like, he was talking about how he was at a, a mini golf course and Phil Jackson was there, the coach of the Chicago Bulls. Mm-hmm. And Phil Jackson shot him a look and he's like, hey man, quit partying with Dennis Rodman. We got some playoffs in here. <laughs> oh, I'll bet there's a few of those ones out there. Huh? <laughs> Which, I don't know if that happened. Did Mickey Mantle party with the Beatles? Ooh. Maybe not. I think that now it's a safer time for okay. for the rock and roll sports guys to come out and vice versa yeah I don't know if it would have been cool for Mickey Mantle to have been seen at the Beatles gig back then. Oh, isn't that the interesting? the lines were much more rigid, I think. Yeah. Right? So um, uh, my uh, my perfect example is my you know true pal, R.I.P., Johnny Ramone, who was mm-hmm. the biggest New York Yankees fan really? that I ever met. He and I went to lots of games together, wow. and when he moved to L.A., we used to go to quite a few Dodgers games. We had seats A, 1, 2, 3, 4. Because we knew someone who was affiliated with the O'Malley family, who wow. used to own the Dodgers, and 
And at this point, the people were a bit elderly and didn't want to go to the games, but they had those seats reserved. So through connections or knowing the same people at this point, we managed to get those seats. So we used to go quite a bit. So Johnny Ramone would keep score, even at home. Really? He would make out a little score box, box sheet, and write in his neat little handwriting, (laughs) keep score at home. And he had it in a notebook. So you could probably ask him, John... What happened in the 1977 uh, game on October the 3rd, the player, he would go to his notebooks and have kept score for that game. Unbelievable. So that's Johnny Ramone, punk rock god of all time. Wow. Fanatical baseball person. So Uh, imagine doing fantasy baseball with him. Yeah. (laughs) You didn't stand a chance. Oh my goodness. I just thought of another one, an unlikely sports fans is Pantera, because they're good friends with the Dallas Stars. And so when the Dallas Uh. Stars won the uh, Stanley Cup, uh, Pantera threw it out of a window of a second (laughs) story hotel into a pool. So there's some lore like that. We got to uncover more stuff like that. Yeah, well, another true pal of ours, Drew Carey, Drew from TV, from The Price is Right. Mm -hmm. He is a sports fanatic. He's a Cleveland Indians guy. Okay. Cleveland fan. But he is part of uh, the ownership of the Seattle Sounders. Oh, no way. In the Major League Soccer League, North American Soccer League. So there's... You know, a ton of examples for um, British guys. Yep. Every punk rock band you want to name. Oh, Captain their own Sensible football. of the Damned is a maniac for Crystal Palace. Wow. Uh, you know, Sex Pistols guys, Johnny yeah. Rotten, Arsenal fan, wow. Steve and Glenn and Paul, Chelsea fans, which really maybe goes a long way to explain that relationship. <laughs> so there's, uh, I know, Mick uh, Jones from The Clash, Queens Park Rangers guy, who's, uh, so, I mean, if we want to include the British, what which we will. We're all encompassing here at Sirius XM. Um, there's lots of examples yeah. of rock and roll and entertainment being commingled with um, with sports, especially in soccer over there. See, it's a thing, and no one talks about it. That's what we're doing. We're, we're making it safe to talk about it. Exactly. So call it, and the gals too. That's absolutely. You know, Jenny V getting hooked in the baseball this year. I would. Come on. I would love to hear about what was enticing to her about it. Is it the drama? Do you think it's just? I think when it gets down to the win or go home yep. part of the playoffs, I think it hooks the average person a okay. little bit deeper. Okay. Like you and me watching baseball in May. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, there's 103,000 <laughs> games left to be played in Major League Baseball this year. So, yeah. But as we know, it's sometimes yeah. 162 games comes down to one game. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the exciting stuff. So um, are there any arenas that you've been to? Maybe playing. And that's the other cool thing about rock and roll is that you find yourself every now and again playing mm-hmm. at at a famous venue that also going to rock and roll to see you 2 play. Yep. And that's where I saw the Lakers play a hundred times. So Unbelievable. So it's, it's, it's that kind of stuff. These arenas yeah. have become multi-use over the years. And yeah. like, you know, early... Our, uh, our Fab Four of the Beatles playing at Shea Stadium. There's a lot of uh, yeah. kind of, and we want to talk to people who have experiences of like maybe a famous venue, yeah. arena that they've had multiple experiences at. I'm, I was born in Edmonton and I was born around the time Gretzky was, was mm-hmm. on his tear. And so it was a big deal to me when my band got to play that arena. Exactly. You know, That's I was thinking about experience. that as I was walking around. There's a really crude Wayne Gretzky statue outside of the building and got Fantastic. a photo in front of that. What about you? What was, what was a, did you get to play the places in New York where you went as a kid? We did play Nassau Coliseum. Amazing. One time. And, um, Maybe played a couple of times, but that was our exact backyard. Yeah, and the closest uh, 
big place to where we grew up, Massapequa, Long Island. Okay. The Coliseums in Uniondale. And uh, there's still a little bit of... Uh, of uh, Disgruntledness about the Islanders playing mm-hmm. a few games in Brooklyn. Really? Yeah, they did, and they're going to build a new stadium on Long Island, uh, kind of a multi-use arena. Wow! Uh, but there was uh, people were unhappy when the Islanders were playing other games because the Nassau Coliseum is seems to be a bunch of these places that were built in the seventies and now getting oh, retooled. So I see. So the the franchises within the same city. There's some competitive nature to them. Yeah, the Mets played for a while at Yankee Stadium, I believe, when they were redoing um, Shea. Yeah. And uh, now it's uh, part of the Barclays complex over there, I think. Okay. Uh, City Field. But uh, so for... You know, the outside world, it doesn't really, well, so what, you know? But, <laughs> yeah. oh, <laughs> but it matters the Islanders us. playing technically yeah. in Brooklyn, which is New York City, not 516 area code. It would have switched the old 212 area code when I was a kid. Um, so uh, these these things are important to people, you Absolutely. know? Absolutely. That's the weird thing right now is that the two favorites in the NBA, you know, who knows? Because I don't know if all sports are like this, but basketball... This, the uh, lineups get shaken up so much every yes. year. This is the first year where it's unclear who's going to be in the finals. And the favorite is the Clippers, who were, you know, barely a playoff contender last year. And now they're favored to win the championship. How interesting. Them and the Lakers, and they share Staples Center. So hopefully it creates more of a rivalry because there kind of hasn't been as of yet. The Lakers and the Clippers is a rivalry. No, it used to be like preseason or um, one game uh, you know, during the year. Jack Nicholson would go and what if it was technically a Clippers home game, Billy Crystal would go. There you go. But I think now, since the Clippers were probably a little bit the, um, the, the red-headed stepchild of the L.A. basketball, NBA, uh, yep. for a while, it was easier to get like a Clippers ticket and a season ticket. For so sure. I think those in the know who are just fans, because you are seeing the same quality NBA players. It yeah. It doesn't really matter. You're not seeing your team every night, but you're yeah. seeing the cavalcade of stars come through. Yeah. That's why um, uh, I I always liked uh, you know going on tour to certain towns like Milwaukee. A good buddy of mine who books the casino there, they had season tickets part yeah. of the casino to all the brewers games so and cool. all the bucks games and when i was in milwaukee playing a couple times a year and it coincided with one of those games you go and you're seeing the same caliber star absolutely every the, it it's the nba it's the it's major league baseball you're seeing these yeah. guys go through these different cities and it's kind of cool to be i mean if i see a third party game was the bucks playing the 76ers and i don't really it's not Either my twos, but it was great to be there, not really caring so much yeah. in a crazy way who would win the game, but just to be able to sit back and watch NBA quality ball Absolutely. In, in a place that's not my town. Exactly. And it's you're seeing the arena now. And as a Clippers fan, it kind of hurts my feelings that no one takes them seriously and never has. Like, why not? They had Lob City for years. Blake Griffin, Chris Paul, DeAndre Jordan. Great team. Yeah. Still no one really cared about them. And even though the, the Lakers were, have, were struggling... Still, there's hardcore Lakers fans in the city and not Clippers fans. So we'll see this this season what happens because Kawhi Leonard is there now, you know, Paul George. We'll see. We'll see if people switch over or if they just stay with the Lakers. I think the Lakers have to win this year. You think so? I, I, I think they need to get very close. I want LeBron for his legacy to have more championships just mm. so he's in the conversation of greatest ever because I think he's up there, you know. I think he went to the Lakers because he wanted to I think he's competitive with Kobe, and I think he wanted to beat some of his numbers. 
I think so. And everyone wants to be in LA at the end of the day. I think totally. For, I, I think he's got um, aspirations past past the NBA, which is very commendable. I think everyone Absolutely. should really. Uh, a lot of these cats, like, uh, it's a very physical thing to play pro sports. Any oh, yeah. of them, you pick a sport, and it's it's very competitive and very hard on your body. So mm-hmm. I think it's good to, um, after it's done, you have to think, like with rock and roll too, every day of your life, you practice the drums, you've been to band practice, you've been doing a gig, doing something, and then just one day to not do it oh, man. in any way. So so I think you want to be in a place where you can be involved in post-sports. Sure. Post do some um, other stuff. The difference that I, uh, that I do see in rock and roll, I've very rarely seen someone completely retire. And yeah. Johnny Ramone being the only one. He saw rock and roll as... he. He used to say it was like working in the post office. He put in his time. He like <laughs> saved his money, and then and then um, he his retirement was watching baseball. So um, I think sports guys might be the same. Yeah, I think you ret- once you retire, you might not go out and you know take batting practice every day. So right. um, so so I think it's good for these cats to have a plan after they um, for sure. I think for some of them that are maniacs, it's got to be tough, especially if they you know have to leave in the the prime of their career like magic johnson or yeah or whoever you know like michael jordan kept coming back you know mm-hmm. it's so crazy when he came back for the third time to the wizards and he was like clearly heavier but he still had that sort of eye of the tiger and he's just so intimidating <laughs> yeah that you kind of he still kind of can't you know he's still kind of better than everybody just from being so competitive you know it's a little bit harder to age gracefully i think as a as a pro athlete for sure Especially a football Rock and player. roll, uh, you know, like me. But, um, you know, there's cats like Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, the Rolling Stones, uh, you know, um, Paul McCartney. They're growing old with with your audience. Yeah. Mean, maybe the songs, uh, you can do them in a lower key or play them slightly slower, but, like, you can still do it. I think it's very hard to do that in pro sports For on a competitive sure. level. It's just too, too hard on the body. Yeah. I don't think you can be, like, grow old with your fans playing shortstop in the New York Yankees. You're just <laughs> not going to... Unless you're a golfer, because then there's a league just for that. Right, senior league. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those guys they can they can grow with their audience. Good idea. Now, is there a senior tennis league? There's got to be. I think there must be. I wouldn't want to play against John McEnroe. He's, <laughs> uh, I'll bet he's uh, he's still very competitive. Cat, and when I knew him, he would you know he would want to yeah you know just playing a uh, like game of basketball pickup game. He was very intense. You oh know? yeah. So um. Uh, I think that certain sports you can maybe grow older a little mm-hmm. bit easier, easier. But even a golf swing, even playing tennis, it's very hard. Tennis oh, yeah. is very hard. I think oh, yeah. um, you know maybe the hardest one. I think individual sport. But yeah. um, what sport can you grow old gracefully? You know what I was thinking though. It's like I don't know why this would be the one, but I remember when I was a kid seeing NHL players who weren't wearing helmets because they were grandfathered in from when you didn't wear helmets. Mm-hmm. It's like they were still playing. What a badass. Yeah. I don't think they could have a brain cell <laughs> left though, right? <laughs> and here's another segment that we're going to dip into. It's called Dr. Kevy mm-hmm. and Mr. Slim Jim. And they're, we're going to discuss the psychology of being a sports fan. And we, we encourage participation and debate. And I'm going to ask Dr. Kevy a couple of questions, and he's going to try to answer them because I'm a little bit older, set in my ways, and just playing crazy about certain things. <laughs> now, what's the psychology of defending a player when you know he's made a mistake? And how did you defend Bill Buckner? I wasn't Ooh. a Red Sox fan. 
I mean, okay. he seemed like a nice guy, but did he have any defenders? That's a really good question. And it's like, especially nowadays with social media, you might have to defend a player more than for just their, you know, the way they're operating on the field or the court. They might have some like personal things that you also have to defend them for, you know? Right. Can you relate to it? Is that why? Because you put yourself in the spot of like, oh, the ground ball might go through my legs oh, too. The pressure those guys are yeah. under to catch that every right. single time, you know? Especially in baseball. To me, that seems like the hardest one. The sun's in your eyes. Right. Who knows? <laughs> Rocking the outfield coach. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't know. I'm I'm empathetic in a way where I put myself in Buckner's position. So I sure. feel bad for him, but you're a Yankees guy, so you probably love that he screwed that up. <laughs> that was against the Mets. And we totally... Uh, but it was against the Red Sox. That's another um, you know psychological thing. That when the Yankees uh, don't win, mm-hmm. it's the... You know, we... But if... Boston yep. doesn't win. It's also a successful season. So, uh, so there is that um, rivalry. Okay. Right? That, oh, so, okay, so that wasn't against your my team. Guys win, as long as you also lose. <laughs> so, <laughs> Do you remember what your reaction was when that happened? Because that was a life-defining moment for that guy. I think I was on Long Island with my father um, having a visit and he was an old Brooklyn Dodgers fan so hated the Yankees so (laughs) by default he was a Mets fan okay so um, and he didn't like Boston that much either I suppose but um, Mm -hmm. so they were happy that it was the Mets but um, the other thing is there's the side of the coin that says well it's a professional play it's five million dollars a year yeah. he should be able to make the ground ball seven came with the road series all the well, he should be able to win that play yeah. Saturday Saturday not that simple have also you can be a rich athlete who's also a yeah, that's totally possible but the fan who's got a lot of time and energy and brain cells and emotion invested in this maybe yeah. they don't want to hear it Absolutely, but I think Buckner did a, did a good move, kind of getting you know in front of it by parodying himself endlessly yeah. for that. But it took a while. Yeah. So that's another thing we'll touch upon is the psychology of sports, like why you root for certain players and defend them, mm-hmm. but other people you do not, and you root against them. Can you? What if your best friend is the their favorite team is the team you hate? Well, you tend not to talk about it, or you have. Pleasant jibes. I was going to say. The guy that works for the Stray Cats is a Boston maniac. Really? All all sports, but especially baseball. And we do fantasy baseball leagues every year. Where's this gentleman from? He's from Boston. He's okay. like a Red Sox guy. He okay. would go and uh, uh, I mean, he was probably heartbroken by Buckner. I didn't know him back then. <laughs> but right... Right now, when the Yankees lost the seventh game of the uh, of the um, you know the pennant race, mm-hmm. I was not at home. I was planning on taping the game and going, which I had, and went to go home and watch it. I got a one word text really? that said "Chumpman," <laughs> which was, I guess, an allusion to Aroldis Chapman, who gave up the. Ooh, so it's cold. these are little pleasant, uh, you know, and these are people that you like, your friends, your coworkers. This happens from then. <laughs>
exactly, but your favorite sports-related movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. and then hence the you know the soundtrack that might right go along with that. Well, everybody knows the best movie of all time is White Man Can't Jump, so it's going to be a short <laughs> segment. I mean, that's way up there. <laughs> Pride of the Yankees is for me, but I'm a little bit older. What about Hoosiers? Hoosiers, oh, I can cry over Hoosiers. Me too. I want Jimmy Chitwood to be my friend. <laughs> I think he would be. I think you guys have a lot He'd in common. He'd be a quiet guy. Yeah. But, oh, dude, I could do Hoosiers. I could take any role. Gene Hackman. Yeah. I want him to be my life coach. What about Slapshot? Slapshot's way up there. Yeah. Way, way up there. That was on not too long ago. Mm-hmm. Like we said, Major League is a favorite of ours. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's a stamp in time for where the sport was at in that time also exactly right you know exactly right like slap shot is the 1970s absolutely major league is the 1980s white man can't jump is the the 90s 90s. oh my goodness so there's all sorts of good ones out there you want to know an underrated hockey one goon it's canadian okay it's really good okay it doesn't seem like it's going to be good it's very good (laughs) (laughs) hey were you they were going to make a movie uh, and Rob Zombie was going to direct it, and it was about the Flyers in the seventies, yeah, where they were like, bullies. "Yeah, that's right." Where the the NHL rule book was one page, and it went to like fifty pages because of that one team. <laughs> Dave Schultz being the main goon. That's right, the enforcer. Yeah, for for that team. Yeah, we were Rangers fans then, so. The Flyers were a little bit hated, not quite okay. as hated as the Boston Bruins, but okay. equally. You know, like New York, we have to hate everyone equally. So, uh, but uh, I respect um, that equality. Uh, that that was a fun team to watch. Now that I'm a little bit older, I can, yeah, not be in the moment of the history of it. Um, be be more in the history and not so much in the moment. That was a fun team to watch. Bobby Clark, that famous yeah smile of his, and of course we hated oh. the fact that they won. Yeah. Well, you're you're fortunate to be a diehard for a team, the Yankees, that do win usually at least once a decade, which isn't typical yeah. of, I guess they haven't this decade, but it, they could, or I guess, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, like I said, like I'm from Vancouver. The Canucks have been there since the beginning. They're the Vancouver Millionaires. Right. Still haven't won. So at least a team you like win sometimes. Well, the le- there was some lean years there. The 1970s, the 1980s. Oh yeah, was kind of a few lean years. But you still have to. Uh, sometimes another thing to discuss in the sports, the sports psychology, is the the pleasure of being the underdog absolutely you almost get used to losing oh man do you do this because i here's some sports psychology when the bulls were you know killing everybody mm-hmm. i hated them yeah i hated them i'm right. a charles barkley fan right okay now that it's some time has passed i've forgiven scotty pippen i've forgiven steve <laughs> kerr now i can just appreciate how talented they were sure it's yeah. very hard in the moment yeah yeah oh yeah like now, um, the analysts on MLB.com when you watch the game, mm-hmm. Pedro Martinez, yep. Big Poppy. I couldn't. I I would never even want to hear what they talked like. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, let alone now. I think Pedro Martinez is way up there with some of the, uh, you know, the all the all time analysts. Really. Um, yeah. And you know, I listen to Big Poppy and Alex Rodriguez is there, who I'm a fan of, mm-hmm. and I a little bit like. Tim always have because everyone else didn't so like it was <laughs> yeah. me being punk rock yeah towards you know yeah. everyone else hates that guy I like him <laughs> so You're everyone else loves me. that guy I hate that guy but yeah. with the expression of uh, 
exception of Derek Jeter, uh-huh. who everyone loved him, and I also loved him. Okay. So this is a psychology. Why do you yeah. take certain yeah. sides of the fence for different yeah. players? Yeah. I think the first player that I've liked while they've been winning is LeBron. <laughs> yeah. At some point, you have to um, just really admire the talent of someone. Absolutely. Yeah, I I I could watch LeBron play all uh, really all day. Now he plays on the Lakers, who I tend to be a Lakers fan and a Knicks fan. You know, as mm-hmm. a kid, I was a Knicks fan. But when I moved to LA in the um, in the early '80s, I was very fortunate. And I got a chance to go to a lot of the games, wow. and um, so you really got caught up in the Showtime Lakers. I Absolutely, who you are, you really got caught up in it, um, and it was a real big Boston rivalry there too. Of course. The Yankees weren't winning in those years. Um so it was very hard to to have our um you know Boston hatred still yeah. still still going. A cool place, but sports franchises oh. call me up and give it to me, you Bostonian bean <laughs> kind of beaners. Um uh but the Lakers and the Celtics was mm-hmm. one of the greatest rivalries Absolutely. ever. Yeah, and if if it weren't for Magic and Bird's rivalry, who knows where we'd be with the NBA because that was some lean years for the NBA around that time. I agree, and the fact that they carried their rivalry from college, which is a whole other thing we're going to talk about, NCAA rivalries and Mm -hmm. famous arenas and uh, uh, certain... Places that don't have pro franchises yep. that are just as fanatical and manic about their college teams because yeah. that's the biggest show in town. I know. And every year, uh, they can also follow it with their draft picks and who gets recruited the same as a draft pick. You know, yeah. who comes to your school to play? And wow. you, you're excited about new players. But Bird and Magic started that rivalry in college. Yeah. I think they played together on some kind of team the first time they ever met. Was it? Oh, yes. Maybe a, like a, was it a national thing or it was, a Western thing? You know Someone how, will know the answer to this. Yeah. It's like it's like how McDonald's will have that invitational where just the best players in right. different parts of the country right. will come and be on a team. And I think I, I read that the first time they ever met was when they had to play together and they both underestimated each other. Yeah. Because Bird thought Magic was, you know, this... All charisma. You right. realize he could really play. Right. And then Magic thought quite the opposite of Bird and realized he could play. Right. Yeah. My uh, my way of looking at things is that it's two guys who have a lot more in common mm-hmm. because the big thing is the love of the game. Yeah. And the dedication to it. And it's the same in rock and roll that I talk about uh, on Channel 21 in the Underground Garage is that seemingly the Ramones are not the same as the Stray Cats. <laughs> but... <laughs> When you boil it right down, yeah. they're exactly the same. Yeah. Because of our love of rock and roll and our influence from Elvis Presley and Chuck Berry and the original rock and rollers right. is there in the music. And so Bird and Magic, they might be seemingly two different things, but they're the same in their love of the game mm-hmm. and trying to, you know, make it a perfect game. Absolutely. And that's it, baby. That's it, sweethearts. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Slim Jim Phantom. Check out his band, The Stray Cats. They're legends. Listen to Invincible by Fake Shark. Listen to the Comedy Here Often podcast, and I will check in with you soon, okay? Thank you. Bye.